Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you know you're all American. Oh, I'm you actually, now. Now. Oh, actually, I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. It ain't hating on me on You know yeah, I gotta do something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Minasa! You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't get out of my face with that crazy that's, stuff. That's, the number to call, 347-633-9365. Y'all got to take y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Studs. And now, your host, Chad
All right. Apparently, uh, I've been talking and no one's been hearing me, so that's unfortunate. But nevertheless, we are on, we are popping, and uh, let me just try something here with, with you folks. Hold on right here. All right, going back to what I know. We're back on here. Sorry about the uh, technical difficulties, folks. The show is on, and uh, we'll try and figure out what's going on with uh, everything here. All right, so uh, my whole big, long speech (laughs) to the class of 2016 that want to go on, we'll have to save that for another time, I guess. Uh, I've got Andrew Spivey coming up next. He's from Gator Country. Big one going down this weekend. The Florida Gators are going to take on the Florida State Seminoles, and uh, this not only is there going to be a battle going on on the field, there is a recruiting battle that's going on. So we're going to need to talk about that. We'll do that with Andrew Spivey on and more when I get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Show recruiting roundtable edition episode number five. Uh, apparently, Charlie Strong uh, ends the Miami rumors for good. Is there even such a thing when this stuff starts to go down? Charlie Strong says uh, he told his players he's not going anywhere. He's made a commitment here, and we're going to see this program through, and we're going to get it back on track. And blah 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 blah. We've heard all that stuff before. You know, Miami Dolphin fans can uh, distinctly remember Nick Saban getting to a podium during a press conference here down down here when he was coach of the Miami Dolphins and saying, I'm, I'm not going to be the next Alabama coach. Where's Nick Saban coaching right now? So I think we've heard all that good stuff before, and I don't know if I'm buying it. Just, there's just a feel to me like Charlie Strong uh, would kind of like to see his way out of good old Texas. Not what it's cracked up to be, not what he thought it would be. Nevertheless, it's time now for us to talk Florida Gators recruiting, not Texas recruiting. And uh, the Florida Gators are battling the Florida State Seminoles. And if you didn't know that, if you're currently concussed, now coming out of a coma or otherwise uh, fully inebriated or just stupid, you, know, you do need to know that. Florida's taking on Florida State, and there's several things that we need to talk about concerning that. And who better to have on than my man Andrew Spivey from Gator Country. Andrew, how you doing? 
I'm doing great, Chad. Uh, let's not have another uh, FAU game for a while. That was a little uh, heart attackish. I think it was just to uh, keep the fans on their toes. I'll tell you one thing. These Gator guys, this football team knows how to win tough football games. So they find themselves in a close, tight football game. They Their nerves are going to be all right because they've been there before, time and again, in this 2015 season. So if there's one plus out of all this, they're definitely ready for a tight ball game. That's for sure. He's making sure the fans stay until the fourth quarter, getting all that concession stand sales. Oh, yeah. I mean, concession sales stands got to be at an all-time high because every one of these games are a barn burner. Um, but you know what? It does stuff like that against an FAU or a, or a Kentucky and a Vanderbilt, and then you know you bring Ole Miss in and they you know hang a beating on them. So I know Gator fans are hoping that that's is kind of what the deal is when Florida State shows up. Uh, obviously, Florida State and Florida, two big in-state powers, and there's a lot of talent in the state. Despite the fact that there's a, ta- a lot of high school talent, it seems Florida State and Florida oftentimes end up trying to get the same guy. One of those guys is Nate Craig Myers. What can you tell us about that battle there? Uh, if you want to put a percentage on it, uh, Florida State, Florida, feel free to do so. But what can you tell us about that battle for Nate Craig Myers? Yeah, he'll be up uh, in town this weekend in Gainesville. This will be his fourth trip to Gainesville uh, this year. Uh, and to my knowledge, he hasn't been to Florida State yet uh, for a uh, for a game this uh, this fall. So um, I always say follow the visits, not the words. And uh, to me, that speaks volumes. Um, but right now, I would say that it's probably about a 70-30 uh, Florida to Florida State. Uh, a couple weeks ago, it was probably 90 to 10. Uh, Florida State is slowly but surely getting back into the race. Uh, they don't have a wide receiver committed for the class. That's kind of big for Nate Craig as he's the only mm-hmm. guy. So that's something to watch. And the one big thing in this is his mom's a Florida State fan. And as we all know, moms usually went out. But right now she's starting to slowly go towards Florida. So uh, as I said, this battle is going to go into uh, January. And anybody that thinks differently is, uh, hasn't followed recruiting and uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't know what they're talking about. Well, you know, I I hear you on the follow the visits thing. I don't think I saw anyone in uh, Gainesville more than Kevin Tolliver, <laughs> and uh, he's an LSU now. Tiger right now. You know, so that is true. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was there every week. I thought he was employed at the school, but uh, somehow, some way, he ended up in uh, Baton Rouge. Hey, real quick, something just a little bit off center here. You know, during his press conference this week, uh, Jim Coach McElwain. Uh, this obviously the topic of Dalvin Cook came up, and I found this comment funny. He said, "Yeah, from what I understand, the uh, young man was committed here. I wonder how he ended up over there." Some Florida fans are convinced that that's a dig at Will Muschamp. I think it's more of a dig at Florida State, and and, and you know perhaps some they acquired Dalvin Cook through some nefarious means. Where do you fall on that? I I think it's a dig at Florida State. I mean. Uh, you and I, uh, we talked about this situation when it was going down. Will Muschamp, mm-hmm. T-Rob, they, those guys thought Dalvin Cook was going. Heck, I thought Dalvin Cook was going to stick with Florida. I mean, he played the game I well. thought Dalvin uh, Cook was going to Florida. Quincy Wilson thought Dalvin Cook was going to Florida. Yeah. Everyone thought Dalvin Cook was going to Florida. I, I took the photo, you know, a, a day before of Ermin Lane, Dalvin Cook, and Quincy Wilson all doing the Gator Chop. And, you know, that's maybe right. around the way. Uh you know, Quincy Wilson and I said it lunch before he announced, and he was like, oh, don't worry about it. He's going to Florida. So I think it's a big at Florida State. Uh, the one thing I will say is this, is everyone takes shots at Dalvin Cook for the way he did it. And I understand the way he did it wasn't cool. But he was still a kid. 
and he's really a good guy. So, like, I, I don't take it personal with him. I think he's a good guy. Just think he maybe let the uh, the drama of the recruiting world get the best of him. Yeah, it's a, definitely a tough situation for those kids to make that decision. Uh, let's talk about a guy at IMG, Shavar Manuel. Um, uh, my understanding is uh, Florida State's in that picture. Florida's in that picture. Uh, what's the latest with him? Yeah, I think it's kind of right now it's it's really a three-team battle between Florida, Florida State, and LSU. Uh, at one time, Florida and LSU were considered kind of the top two schools. With all the rumors going on at LSU, it now seems it's a three-team race. Uh, he's going to be on campus this weekend again uh, for Florida. Uh, this will be a second trip to Gainesville. Uh, the other one was the Tennessee game. Uh, it's going to take an official to Florida as well. Uh, going to take an official to Florida State. and uh, I think, it's again, it's a battle through January. Uh, the good thing for Florida is they don't have a defensive tackle committed right now. That's something that goes in Florida's favor. And he's also very close to Chris Rupp. Right now, I would say it's about a 60-40 Florida uh, lean right now. Uh, but he's a guy that just doesn't talk to anyone. So uh, we could be saying that, and it could be USC leading for it. Uh, that's kind of the guy he is. But if everything that we've been told is right, I would say Florida is uh, kind of the leader right now. Is USC even a possibility for him? Just threw that out <laughs> no, there. No, I was just more was... throwing that out there. That he's a guy that <laughs> you want to go talk. as far away as possible, huh? I yeah, got you. you know, it's one of those deals where the media now knows everything. Twitter, uh, you know, kids talk about everything on Twitter. He's a guy that doesn't even have a Twitter, so that's how kind of uh, under the radar he is. Yeah, uh, highly unusual for uh, someone in that age bracket to be rolling around like that. Um, let's talk about Felipe Franks. He's been the most intriguing story um, in, in, with Gators recruiting over the last week or two. It's not often you see a quarterback decommit or have uh, any kind of cloudiness in their recruiting at this late in the process, but sure enough, there is. What uh, can you tell the fans about uh, Felipe Franks and possibly becoming a Florida Gator? Well, I had to look on the map to make sure he wasn't from South Florida because that was kind of a uh, South Florida move to <laughs> fly again. And, and he's a guy wow, that we get such a bad rap down here. But yeah, uh, uh, you you know you know how that is down here. Those guys like to slide in for secret visits, and that's exactly what he did. He slid under uh, for an official, uh, unofficial for the Vanderbilt game. Came back for FAU. Came back for Florida State, and he continued to say that he was solidly committed to LSU. But everyone had known, kind of behind the scenes, that. He had done, canceled his uh, LSU official and had it scheduled a Florida official for the, the last weekend in December that he could take official business. So it was more of just a when he was going to decommit than an if. Uh, all signs right now are all Florida right now. Um, Florida State hasn't offered him yet and supposedly may offer him. I, I don't think they do. They have Malik Henry. Uh, if they were to offer, it would get interesting. But I think that Florida is the school right now for him. I mean, he's a guy that – feels like he can come in and compete from day one. And, you know, with Florida's quarterback situation right now, I guess you can't argue that. Um, I will say kind of temper expectations for him. He's a guy that has the frame, has the tools, but is very unpolished and needs to work on his mechanics a little bit. But at six foot six, you can't teach that. And Jim McElwain and Doug Nussmark can definitely work with him on his mechanics. So uh, it'll be big. I mean, Florida needs a big-name quarterback um, after not really signing one since uh, Greer and Treon Harris. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. It's something we've mentioned on this show before uh, that, you know, they probably should pick themselves up 
a quarterback in this class and not just wait till 2017. So that's going to be a development that Gator fans are going to want to keep their eye on as we go through the next couple of months here. Well, as always, appreciate you coming on. I know you've uh, all geared up, not just for the turkey tomorrow, but for the big matchup on uh, on Saturday as this is uh, – you know, this is kind of where you want this thing. Um, very meaningful game here as Florida State and Florida do battle in Gainesville. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks, Chad. All right. Andrew Spivey from GatorCountry.com sharing a little information there on uh, Florida Gators recruiting. And, again, uh, there will be battles. You know, there's, there's battles for the same – players and when you get a game like this you got them uh, visiting the game and then you're not sure what side they're rooting for you're not sure if the outcome of the game or events of the game are going to sway or recruit from one side or the other but uh you know that is the case it's going to be a big time battle there and and it's not as i said just a battle on the field for the win and the loss or um it, it's also a battle for the recruits many of which will be in the stands expecting that thing to be fully packed with recruits sure the game is sold out but uh, you'll have a ton of recruits in attendance, and you know you'll have to try and figure out what impact that is going to have. Uh, the results are going to have on the the recruiting game. So, you know that's that's the story there. I was waiting on Woody Womack. Don't know where he is. Probably basting a turkey. You know Woody likes to uh, Woody likes to cook. He's uh, fancies himself as as one of those. So uh, we'll we'll see if we can get a hold of him here pretty soon and uh, get him on. But for now, we're going to skip over my man Woody Womack and uh, fly on over to another guy that comes on quite frequently and gives us some of the best information that uh, that you can find on recruiting from anywhere around the country, and that is my man Ryan Barto. Ryan, tell me you're home and that you're not out traveling doing recruiting with Thanksgiving being the, the <laughs> eve of Thanksgiving. Tell me you're settled. Eva. Hey, the eve of Thanksgiving is is one of my favorite days of the year, and I am in Fort Lauderdale, buddy. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm very uh, lucky in that regard. That's one of the many things I'm thankful for. Good. I was gonna rip you if you told me you're in somewhere in North Dallas, somewhere trying to run down some uh, the latest information on a possible, uh, you know, TCU recruit. Uh, good to know that you take time out for family. Well, hey, let's uh, let's get into this whole thing. Uh, there was an interesting uh, article out. Uh, today is the first day I saw it. I'm not sure when it came out, but it was Dennis Erickson talking on Mario Cristobal um, and, and possibly being the coach at the University of Miami. What were your thoughts on that article? Yeah, I mean, I, I did the story. So mm-hmm. um, just talking with Coach E last night, um, he obviously coached Mario, helped him to two national titles, and thinks really highly of him in terms of being a South Florida recruiter, really expanding his career, turning around FIU, national recruiter of the year last year at Alabama on 24-7 sports, and obviously loves um, Miami, has great ties to all the high school coaches in South Florida. But I thought the one thing I took away from, from talking to Coach Erickson last night was, hey, this guy is a proven recruiter, a proven head coach that turned around a program. And he's a really good coach that just happened to go to University of Miami. Other people mm-hmm. look at it the other way, but I view it that way. So that's the th- mm-hmm. biggest thing I took away from him. Yeah, sounds like a pretty strong uh, endorsement for for Mario Cristobal from uh, from a former 
coach at the University of Miami. Um, and, you know, who knows who's at the top of that list. There was a point in time where it sounded like he, like Mario Cristobal, was at the top of the list, and then there was a search committee. And we don't know how many hands are in the pot here trying to make this decision. I want to talk about another open coaching job. And uh, I think I'm going to have you on that today. We're going to talk about the open coaching job because obviously it affects recruiting, and that's 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 Maryland. Uh, yeah. What are you hearing on that, and, and who do you think is going to end up being the guy there? Well, a few weeks ago I kept hearing Scott Milanovic, who is a former QB, kind of like Frank Wright. They're both in the program now. Milanovic is the head coach for Toronto Argonauts. Frank Wright mm-hmm. is the OC for San Diego, but I think they've kind of died away from that. Both those guys obviously have great ties to the the big money guys for Under Armour, and that's obviously a key because those are the guys making the decision in this regard. Of late, the main names that are popping up are Mike Leach, who was in line to potentially get that job last time around when they went with Randy Edstall. DJ Durkin's name is picking up a little steam, former mm-hmm. D coordinator at Florida. And Did hear that really today, yes. Recruiter. And um, you also, uh, a name that hasn't went away uh, from several contacts is Dan Mullen. Um, mm-hmm. He's kind of ran his course in terms of he might have gotten the most that you can do and the most wins out of Mississippi State losing the QB, so might be ready to, to maybe get in on the front end. And I, Maryland's an intriguing job in terms of this Under Armour money that's about to be invested in that program that could – that could definitely give them a potential boost for a job that's regularly a C-level job. Yeah, um, everyone saw what the what what Nike did for Oregon, and wondering if uh, that is the same um, course that they're looking to follow up there with Maryland and and uh, Under Armour. Obviously, Under Armour is very competitive with Nike, so there'll be pressure to try and do the things that was were done for Oregon. So. Yeah, it does kind of take itself off of being a regular job and now moves it into another area. The big the big story and talk today and with regard to open coaching jobs has been the one at South Carolina. And finally, it sounds like Kirby Smart, after being put up for about 100 jobs since being a coordinator at Alabama, uh, kind of looks like this will be the one that uh, he would take. And he apparently seems to be the guy that South Carolina wants and there's uh, high mutual interest there. Does this happen? Um, it, I think it happens unless Georgia comes open. Two weeks ag- or three weeks ago, we thought Georgia was going to come open. Then you don't hear anything for about two, three weeks. Now in the last 24 hours, you're hearing it potentially could. So I think that's the only hang up there for Kirby because obviously he'd like that job more. But if Georgia doesn't come open, it seems like he's their number one guy right now in all indications. He's a good fit in terms of not only a proven track record, but he's a Southeast recruiter. And to recruit the Southeast is a different monster than recruiting any other part of the country. So you've got to have those yeah. ties and those connections and know how to recruit this uh, area. Yeah, and then, well, then it sounds like he may hold things up there with South Carolina's choice. He may ask them to delay to see, and then will South Carolina hold things up, knowing that you're kind of uh, you know being played – Second choice here. That's interesting yeah, I mean, as well. A lot of these programs made us made the opening or the firing midway through the season to try to get a lead and get one of these first hires. At the same time, there's the, the recruiting period that starts Sunday is only open two weeks, and then it goes dead for 30 days and then comes back open after the convention in mid-January. 
and then it's mm-hmm. only open for three weeks after that before signing day. So it's a lot smaller this year. Unless you've got early signees or JUCOs, yeah, I don't think mm-hmm. you're really going to take a major hit by not making sure your hire's in place before, um, you know, in early December. Right, that's an interesting note. Here's another interesting thing. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt and Kirby Smart worked together before. And all the indications a, a couple of weeks ago was that, um, you know, Pruitt was on his way out for sure out of Georgia. But now if you've got a situation where Rick is let go and Kirby Smart is the guy, does Jeremy Pruitt stay in Athens? I think Kirby would uh, definitely try to because he's a super recruiter. And I think Kirby and Jeremy have seen how it's supposed to be done at Alabama and done it right, and they would be definitely more on the same page. Yeah, I think that'd be wild uh, because there's been some sentiment built up against Jeremy Pruitt, um, and and now to have him stay and see what his uh, what his time would be like after a, a lot of things have been aired out and put on the table would be uh, quite quite interesting. So uh, this whole coaching search thing, uh, this is the most this is the craziest I think that it's been. In, uh, yeah, maybe in ever, but in quite some we time. We thought it was, I mean, we were thinking, okay, Spurrier's going to retire. Al Golden's not going to be there. Virginia's probably going to open. That was about it. And, like, and yeah. then all of a sudden you see these dominoes <laughs> open. And, and if LSU opens like we think it's going to on Sunday and Jimbo goes there, then you see these massive dominoes. And, Chad, I think the biggest domino waiting out there is come January, who gets that Colts job, whether it's, you know, Saban or Harbaugh or whoever wants to get on the front end of Andrew Luck, who's probably a, a you know Super Bowl QB sometime in the next ten years, and I think that's the one that's really going to open stuff up, and that'll be on the second wave after we hit this first wave in the next two weeks. Yeah, well, I guess we all need to strap on our seatbelt. This is going to be a real crazy and bumpy ride. Well, my friend, I'm glad you're home. I'm uh, I'm, I'm glad you're going to enjoy your Thanksgiving, as I presume you would, being at home and not some corner of this country. So uh, I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving, man, and look forward to for you bringing the news to us next Thursday. Sounds good, Chad. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, too. All right. That is uh, Ryan Barto from uh, 247 Sports. I've got my days all screwed up. I said next Thursday. That'll be next Wednesday. The recruiting roundtable show is Wednesday. This is Wednesday. I've got my head up you-know-where. One guy who might have his head up you-know-where reporting late to duty right here is my next guest, Woody Womack. Woody, were you frying a turkey somewhere? No, you know what? I'm somewhere in North Carolina. I got pull, I got pulled over. You know, I got all kinds of drama going on. So uh, <laughs> did you say somewhere in North Carolina? Why? Why are you there, my friend? Well, I'm going to see some family. You know, I, I I'm usually a lone wolf when it comes to the holidays to hang out with my wife. But uh, we decided to be social this year. So now, of course, I can't. <laughs> I gotta get, get in trouble with the law right when I leave the state of Georgia. Oh man, um, you know, dip into the rivals fund. You did, I didn't say that out loud, <laughs> did I? All right, well, um, yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, put that in your report. All right, well, let's talk uh, some recruiting since that's why I have you on here, and um, let's let's talk Kyle Davis. That was the big story today. His commitment. He's going to Auburn. Uh, how'd that happen? Well, it was crazy because he was supposed to announce on October twenty third. And I spent the, the days leading up to that announcement trying to convince the people at our Auburn side and our Georgia side that he was going to Auburn. I was like, he's going to Auburn. That's what I was told. Everyone's telling me it's Auburn. 
and everyone's saying he was a lock for George and he's a lock for George man. I was like, well, I got three different people in three different plays telling me that's where he's going. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, of course, he canceled the announcement. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, th- and then, then word came out that, yeah, he was going to commit to, to Auburn that, that week, but instead he backed up and he wanted to take a, bit, a better look at Georgia. And then, you know, I was just told on Friday that he, had, that he was already silently committed to Georgia and they were touting all these silent commits they had. Well, next thing you know, here, here we are today, he makes a decision, he commits to Auburn, and then it turns out he had told them he was coming for a while and, and uh, you know, sometime after that, that first flash announcement in October, now he's a, in with the Tigers, and I personally think it's a good fit. I think it's a, a, a national fit for him to have offense, I think, for us all. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, it's November 25th. Uh, signing day is February 4th, I believe, this year. That's, uh, in terms of recruiting, that's two and a half years away. <laughs> Are they going to be able to hold on to this guy until then, since there's so much speculation as to where he was indeed going to end up? Is this well, it? Well, I, I, think, I think they can. I think he's going to enroll early. That's what he says. Now, he, you know, he's really gone underground with the media. I'm not sure what happened between him and, and Something happened between him and the reporter. It wasn't me, you know. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm involved in the dust stuff, it's usually publicly. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't but not Silent up. Woody, we know. <laughs> right. Somebody pissed him off. It wasn't me, so he's not doing interviews. But the plan is to enroll early. I actually broke his commitment the first time he committed to South Carolina back in mm-hmm. the summer of 2014. And I remember him having to okay it with his dad. His dad was the one now that wanted him at Auburn. And I think uh, – you know, I think that's what happened here. They came, they came to an agreement. I, and I don't think there's much time really for George to flip him, but I know some of the other kids that are headed to Georgia aren't going to give up on him uh, until the last minute, that's for sure. Yeah, I expect the full court press there uh, on that. Jacoby Stevens de- decommits from LSU. Uh, that's probably not going to be the last one. Uh, what what happened there? What is it is it because of the Les Miles mess, or is there something more going on there with Jacoby? No, you know, that's it. And, you know, I've known Jacoby uh, for, for a few years. As you know, I rent in Georgia, but I own the state of Tennessee in terms of recruiting dues. So, uh, J- Jacoby, he loves Louisiana. He considers himself a Louisiana boy, but he couldn't he couldn't take the drama, you know, and there's a lot of people in his ear. People were saying even if Miles stays, they're going to fire him next year. And I think he got nervous, and his family got nervous. I think he's going to step back. I, I would be shocked if he doesn't end up back there when a new coach is in place, if that's what happens. But uh, he's going to take some visits, going to enjoy the process a little bit. And then I think, uh, you know, I, I would think Florida State's probably one of the biggest options for him right now. I think he likes him a lot. Alabama's coming after him hard. So uh, expect mm-hmm. him to, to take a look around. But if they, if they get anything stable in Baton Rouge, he'll end up back Tigers. Okay, well, the final thing I want to talk to you about, I noticed some funny tweets about Georgia high school football players and IMG Academy. Is there something going on there that we need to know about? Fill us in. Well, you always, oh, my, my mouth always gets me in trouble on Twitter. I've been, I've been here <laughs> at least, I think I got, let me see, I mean, at least three, four stars expected to uh, to head south, uh, which which takes them off my plate and gives Rob Cassidy more work to do, which I'm always in favor of, but... You know, right. nothing set in stone yet because the guys haven't left, but I'd expect a, a few players from a few big-time programs, uh, maybe people who didn't make it as far in the playoffs as they thought they would, or maybe uh, a couple guys that are still playing. But it drops a few Easter eggs. But, uh, 
you know, I would expect a few players to end up down at IMG. And, you know, if you have, sometimes you have the opportunity to go down there and, and focus on football full-time, that's the best move. So, you know, I don't begrudge anyone for to make that decision. Well, good. I've got uh, I've got your man Rob coming up later here on the show. But you two guys are doing good work with your podcast, The Unrivals, and it's uh, the name of the podcast is a, a name I love. Commitment issues. Tell us uh, tell us more about that and how uh, our listeners could find you guys on that podcast. Well, they can find us. Uh, just search on iTunes for uh, commitment issues, and also at Rivals Podcast on Twitter. We got a new episode up right now, and it's, it's you know we talk about. Southeast recruiting issues, and then we talk a little bit about uh, normal life stuff. I complained a lot about Thanksgiving uh, mm. choices this week, so really on topic. <laughs> Want to hear that? And a few other uh, big time, big time news items as well. Good, good. Well, uh, you know, love that. I mean, you do a good job on this show. So does Rob. So the two of you guys together must. Uh, must be a pretty good coming together right there, and so uh, definitely going to check that out, and the listeners should check that out too. Woody, appreciate you taking time. Well, you probably need to blow off some steam there anyway since the law caught up with you, so I'm happy to, to uh, assist you with that, and you do have a happy Thanksgiving. I appreciate it, All right. Woody Womack from Rivals.com joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show talking about the uh, latest with Kyle Davis and um, – Jacoby Stevens decommitting from LSU. We may see a a little bit of a, a rash of, of that. All right, moving from that on to a little bit more Southeast recruiting, and I've got Corey Bender on from uh, Scout.com, and uh, he's here to uh, talk with us about uh, a couple of things that have going on and going down around here in the local area, and that's the University of Miami, the first of which is they had a big-time commit today. Let's Let's talk about that, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. Desmond Phillips, a kid, a local kid at Miami Jackson, uh, that definitely plays quarterback for them. But he's a guy who'll be transitioning to the slot once he gets to Coral Gables. Um, like I said, that was a dream Aubrey always wanted. He's actually a kid that took a few visits a few weeks ago up to Miami, uh, saw everything with his family, wanted to see the education part, and um, decided to pull the trigger. I actually talked to him last week, and he didn't really seem ready to do that. But uh, as signing day nears, and you know how spots fill up and everything like that, Chad, he decided to pounce on the offer. Um, but like, like I said, he's a kid that um, can make you look silly, man. He's a kid that can stop on a dime, slither through defenders. Um, when he does play quarterback, um, great awareness and escapability in the pocket. Uh, but like I said, he's, a, he's he's at best when he's navigating through open fields of ball here, uh, which he'll be doing when he gets to Miami. But um, like I said, another big uh, – a, a kid I think that definitely deserves more offers than he does now. He has a few Power 5 offers in addition to Miami. Um, but in addition, I think he's just an explosive guy. He's raw. I think he has to work on his whole route tree. And all the basic stuff as far as uh, uh, stuff as far as a receiver, but you really can't doubt his explosiveness, and um, he's just a big time playmaker with big time speed to burn. Are we sure that that's uh, how they're going to use him? Uh, is there no chance that he might be a defensive back? I really like when those quarterbacks who aren't going to be quarterbacks at the next level go play defensive back. It's like they know all the tips, tricks, and tools of the trade. They know everything that's going on over on that side of the ball. It makes them pretty savvy. Are we sure he's going to be a receiver at Miami, or is there a chance he could end up in the defensive backfield? I'm with you on that, too, though. Like you said, he's a guy that can read defense. He's a real smart kid. So as far as that can definitely – aid him if he was a DB. And from what he says, he's a strictly slot receiver. But as far as his mm. size, his makeup, and just his, uh, just his approach to the whole game and just all the work he puts in. He's a smart kid. It definitely puts him to work to be the best he can. But um, he tells me that strictly he's going to be slot receiver. But 
as far as his skill set, as far as he could, how he could transition, I could definitely see him playing some corner down the line. But um, as of right now, I know Miami strictly likes him in the slot. Um, you know, using his big kind of speed to you know create plays and score points, hopefully down the road for them. It's just funny how we even have that as a position now, slot receiver. <laughs> you know, uh, God forbid well, yeah, well, if a new fun. coach comes in here and. Yeah, 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 I know that. I know that, but, you know, that, that's actually a term used, slot receiver. And then, you know, what do you do? What does a guy do if the uh, next coach comes in and likes two tight end sets? You're going to have yourself a pretty big problem there. But nevertheless, um, yeah, I got to see him up close and personal. I know he's an outstanding athlete. He ripped off a long run at us uh, against us at American Heritage. So I can attest to his speed and athletic ability. I'm uh, excited to see him at the uh, University of Miami. Let's talk about another guy who committed to the University of Miami, and that's Juwan Taylor. Obviously, that uh, caught the eye of some others, one of those being the Florida Gators, who put out an offer to the young man. What can you tell me about what's going on with Juwan Taylor? Yeah, so I explained he got the offer late last night. Most people were actually almost in bed by the time the offer went out. But he tells me he'll actually be up in Gainesville for his official visit on January 15th. And, you know, that's, that's the offer he's really wanted throughout this whole recruiting process. I mean, he definitely loves Miami. He loves the tradition. And, He's still firmly committed there from what he tells me. But uh, as time goes on, I know he has Chauncey Gardner, one of his close friends and teammates. That's all about the Gators. I know he's going to be recruiting too. But uh, as of right now, he has one official visit set up, and that is for Florida on January 15th. And I, I think I think he's a kid that's definitely on flip watch. I mean, it could happen sooner as far as, you know, which guys commit and how the spots fill up. But, uh, you know, that's the one offer he's really wanted, and a lot of people have known that for quite some time. So he's like the one kid moving forward. And that's a school. Um, obviously, they have a bunch of young guys, obviously, in the trenches. They got some guys last year, Martez Ivy, Frederick Johnson, Royal Palm Beach. But uh, they're looking to add more depth, and they're still really young in that position. So, uh, you know, that's the offer he's really liked. And you credit to him, too. He's a guy that was about 360 pounds, 370 pounds about last year. And, you know, this he really mm-hmm. shaved off weight and really took command of his body this year. And, you know, it paid off, obviously, with the Miami offer. Then Florida saw the progress he had, too, and uh, definitely threw an offer of their own at him. So, you credit Juwan. He's a guy that's really put in the work, lost some weight, and really uh, put some time in his craft. And, you know, look, look here we are now, too. The in-state powers is, you know, have offered him with a few months of signing day now. Yeah, that kind of happened bang, bang. And that's how it happens sometimes uh, in recruiting. Here's a kid that every time I have seen him, he has been mm-hmm. extremely impressive in person. And I'm talking about Devin uh, Singletary from uh, American Heritage up there in Del Rey. And uh, now he's a commitment to Illinois uh, do you think he ends up there uh, a part of me? And this is no you know, shot at Illinois. They just haven't been the most powerful program of late. Or is there something bigger on the horizon for him? Because I, I think he's an absolute talent. No, absolutely. And the thing is with him, too, I mean, he got the Miami, he got the four seed offers, North Carolina, some other ones, um, you know, throughout this whole recruiting process. The thing with Illinois, um, they did sign two of his former teammates last year in Trenard Davis and Desmond King. So that's one mm-hmm. school Illinois has really kind of seeked out um, over the last few years. And, you know, Bill Cubitt's still on the staff, the intern head coach, and he's the one that, uh, you know, has really took command in their recruitment overall as far as the Delray Beach kids. And that really, that was the comfort part as far as him committing there. The one coach that he knew real well was still on that staff. But like you said, with the coaching turnover, with them trying to find a new head coach, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up somewhere else. And he obviously has the talent to do so. And like you said, he's not the biggest kid. But he's a shifty mm-hmm. tailback. I mean, impressive vision, page, a real patient runner. Um, real slippery, too, man. I mean, like I said, he bounces off a lot of first tackles. Like I said, he fights for a lot of initial contact. You know, for a kid that's only 5'8", 190, um, you know, pretty good in the screen game, too. And, 
you're the one thing right. that watching his film, like I said, he's not the biggest kid, but you watch his film. I mean, he's he's pancaking. You know, some blocks on the perimeter, they line him up in the slot. And a uh, receiver, he's pancaking, you know, corners in the run game. Uh, you know, he's putting his shoulder down and putting guys on their back in the run game, you know, going off tackle, too. So he's a guy that plays much bigger than his size, but, you know, don't let that fool you. He's a shifty kid that can run some power, too. And, you know, having 1,700 yards this year, having a box senior year. Yeah, uh, and had a and and uh, you know has already done some pretty good work here in the uh, in the postseason. So I'm l- I'm looking forward to him. Whether it's Illinois or anywhere else, he uh, definitely plays with a lot of passion, and that tends to uh, that tends to go a long way in the whole college football deal. Well, hey, listen, man, I want you to, to uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, get back to the holiday festivities, and look forward to hearing from you next Wednesday. Cool, Chad. Chad, thanks for having me on, man, and uh, you enjoy Thanksgiving with the family, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Corey Bender from scott.com on here talking uh, Southeast recruiting, mostly the University of Miami on there, so I appreciate him coming on and shedding a little light on their newest commitment, Desmond Phillips, a uh, very exciting player, as well as Jawan Taylor and Devin Singletary. And from Corey, we're going to head back to a rivals guy, and it's Rob Cassidy, who's been known to uh, have information uh, on the University of Miami. But we're going to go somewhere else with you. Uh, I just read off something in the opening segment, and uh, again, it, l- let me introduce you to the folks. Uh, how you doing, Rob? Rob Cassidy on with us. Say hello to uh, to the listeners. Chad, how are you, man? How are things? Doing doing well, doing well. Listen, we've got this whole uh, musical cheers that's about to happen. Um, the I hear the music playing, but no one started moving from any seats yet. Uh, but it's about to come, and I thought of this very intriguing thing listen i heard charlie strong try to shut the door on things um i'm of the opinion that charlie's not very happy in texas what would you think of charlie strong ending up at georgia if that opened lsu if it opened or at fsu if you had to guess out of those three where would he be most likely to end up i know that might be a bit of a crazy question but at this point we're dealing in multiple hypotheticals right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, um, that's where we are man we're all of this thing's crazy you know here's my thing with charlie strong he was at florida I, I just don't understand why he's never been able to recruit the state texas i mean it's not like you're selling it's not like you're selling uh, frozen ice to an eskimo here i mean recruiting to texas as down as they've been is not Mm. It's super difficult, you don't think. I mean, you've got the budget, you've got the facilities, you've got the tradition. And I can't imagine it's not a lack of trying. He just hasn't made a splash in Florida since getting the Texas job the way that I thought he would, which leads mm. me to believe, I mean, maybe it'd be a little bit easier for him if he was recruiting somewhere in the Southeast, somewhere in the SEC. But, man, I, I can't say that it's inspired a lot of confidence. In I think he's probably catching some flack for trying to come down here and get players when you're in the great state of Texas. I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of what was going on, but uh, I would have to think yeah. he would be interested in one of those three jobs were they to come open because I'm, I'm pretty convinced he would like to get out of Texas. I, I hear everything well, he's saying in his press conferences, but uh, if something good came up, I think he's out of there. Look, man, yeah, when the uh, earthquake's going and the house of the walls are collapsing around you, you're trying to get out of the house, too. <laughs> like, yeah. You're not going you know, to uh, sit around and let the ceiling cave in on you. And, you know, if I was in a situation, I'd want out, too. I'd want out for the right job. Um, so, if, you know, if he was offered one of those jobs, I think it would be the smart thing to do. Certainly I'm not, you know, living with Charlie Strong or living inside Charlie Strong's head. But uh, I think mm. that you and I can, can, can reason with some semblance of common sense that he would like to get out of that sinking ship. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he did end up in one of those three places. Wouldn't It wouldn't completely ambush me if that were to happen. All right, here's a guy uh, that we haven't talked about much. I haven't, haven't heard his name around much. And last time I think we talked about it, uh, that I brought it up with anyone, the name, you know, the school Michigan came up. But this is a dynamic player, exciting player to watch. Loved him during the seven-on-seven circuit, and he took it to the field this year and had a great year. But Keyshawn Pye Young. Uh, is he Michigan? What's he doing? Where where are we at with good old Keyshawn? I think he's Michigan. Alabama's not really recruiting him as hard as they were. Uh, they're going to fill up at wide receiver before they get down to him. Michigan wants him. I think that there was some interest in Miami, but I don't think that Keyshawn's the kind of player that's going to commit to a school without a coach in place. He's visiting Michigan mm-hmm. this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. All the stars seem to align here for, for Keyshawn to end up at Michigan. Now, if Miami makes a splash higher – that Keyshawn likes or something else unforeseen happens, as it tends to <laughs> this time of year, then maybe that mm. changes. But I think if the status quo stays the way it is right now, Chad, uh, Keyshawn will end up, you know, up in Michigan. Is there a third name that you could throw in there? Like, hey, I go to Michigan, it's not what it's cracked up to be. Miami can't find a coach right now, or they hire one I'm not really in love with. Is there a third school that could slide in there and uh, snap up the services of this explosive playmaker? Yeah, I think that if, if, if any of these in-state schools or the other two in-state schools get down to him on the board and, you know, they decide that uh, they want to go after him, I think Deshaun definitely wants to listen to that pitch. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. a matter of if they're going to have room for him there with so many other great wide receivers still left on their boards. Right, right. Uh, so, well, you know, we'll have to see there. I've, all I've heard is Michigan, though, so it would stand to yeah. reason it looks like that's where he's going to end up. All right, you may have heard me uh, on – with uh, Woody Womack talking about Jacoby Stevens. Um, obviously, the whole situation with Les Miles is going to have an effect in the recruiting game. Um, Savion Smith is a guy that is uh, seems solid to LSU, but is that boat going to start getting rocked uh, when, it's, when it looks like Les Miles is going to be on his way out the door? Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, even talking about this, though, it seems so crazy to me, the way that it's gone down and the way this is all happening. Uh, but you're right, mm-hmm. it does look like Les may be on his way out. If that happens, I think you'll definitely see Savion look around. I mean, this is a player with options. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a player with a lot of – the way IMG plays, Chad, and you know this as well as anybody, is you develop relationships with so many different guys heading to so many different corners of the country if you're a player at IMG that you're mm-hmm. pretty you're pretty open to influence, you know? I mean, right. Savion is the kind of guy that could be swayed to join Shea Patterson at Ole Miss. I mean, you really, it's mm-hmm. really hard to project. I think he really liked the two in-state schools. Florida State was very high on his list. Uh, when he committed to LSU, he was also looking at Florida when he committed to LSU. So I think you could stand to see both of those schools get in play as well as Old Miss and maybe some, you know, maybe some outliers as well. It's just, you know, he's got so many connections to so many places and was so heavily recruited that if that pin does drop with Les Miles and he does decommit, it's going to be really interesting to see which way he leans. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, quite the uh, quite the outstanding playmaker. I don't want to say that there are a ton of um, I don't know that this is a strong DB class. Um, what I've watched, I don't know how you guys feel about it over there at Rivals. Um, certainly not like 2014. So, you know, a guy like this is going to mean a lot in this class. You know, there's Trayvon Mullen also, but a guy like this and where he ends up, I think he might be the next name we hear some mumblings about um, if this whole Les Miles thing ends up going the way it seems that it's going. Are there any other LSU players that may start falling off that wagon um, as this thing gets uglier? 
you know, there are a lot probably. A lot of them are not in the states that I cover, so I'm not I'm mm-hmm. very familiar with a lot of Louisiana kids. One of the other guys that is from my region, though, is Ja'Cory Savage, the offensive lineman mm-hmm. out of Alabama. Um, he's one that you think maybe some postseason options will come, and if those mm-hmm. come while Les Miles is on the way out, that could line up a perfect storm of him hitting the road. But, you know, I think as long as they make a solid hire there, whoever that may be, they'll be able to retain Corey and possibly Savion, too. I think Savion wants to be at LSU if things seem stable. Stable. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of, you know, who that hire is. And I, I, I don't know who it is. I certainly don't buy into the Jimbo Fisher hype. I mean, I just yeah. that just seems too far-fetched for me. Yeah. Um Correct me if I'm wrong on this. LSU seems to be a little less down in these parts this recruiting cycle than in previous ones. Am I right or wrong on that? You haven't heard right. him as much. I, you're absolutely right, and I don't know if it's for that trying. I mean, they've tried to get involved with, you know, Trayvon Mullins of the world and some of those guys, and it just hasn't really worked out for them. Um, yeah, they just haven't they haven't hit. Maybe the needs don't align. I really don't know the answer to the question, but you're definitely not wrong. Uh, for whatever reason, they are, they've been a little bit yeah, well, they've had, you know, I don't know if this plays a part in it at all, Rob. You know, you, they've had three guys down there from South Florida that are not on the team anymore. Uh, I don't know if that's played anything into it, um, but I've just noticed LSU not as heavy when they used to be, you know, they used to be in on everybody who was anyone down here, and they just seem to be pulling back from there. I was just wondering if you had the same feel that as, yeah, as that, I, I mean, did I on think that. that's obvious to anybody anybody that's paying attention to see that I mean having just one commit out of the state in this class is and, and you know that being from IMG where it's a little bit of different uh, landscape there uh, it's pretty shocking I think yeah um, where is Savion from originally anyway he's a Florida kid I believe I, I somewhere in the Hillsborough area I moved uh, the region, take over the region when Saban moved to IMG. I believe he's from Florida. I could be wrong. Yeah, well, when you add IMG, the chance of you being wrong uh, <laughs> is, you know, <laughs> yeah. is a high because these kids come from everywhere. It's, you know, it's well, like I the mean, Epcot they, Center they, over there. There's kids from Florida lately, too, though. I mean, when you look at, like, Trey McKay, you just transferred over there. I mean, there are some guys that they've been kind of, you know, the rating that that county, too, is, is, as far yeah, as I I smell a drive-by coming, Rob. I mean, someone might go over there and spray IMG with some bullets. But uh, that's more to come on that, man, more to come on that. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, you know, en- enjoy tomorrow and uh, look forward to having you on in the future to share some more recruiting information. For sure. Thanks, man. Have a great Thanksgiving, Chuck. All right. Thank you. That's Rob Cassidy. Uh, from Rivals.com, he uh, joins up with Woody Womack to do commitment issues. So do check that podcast out. You can find it on iTunes, and you can also head over to Rivals.com and uh, you know find the uh, podcast there. So I appreciate him coming on and uh, giving us the latest and greatest information on those particular recruits. And, and as always, he's a little late, and he can afford to do that, though, because he's all the way out west. Uh, my next guest, Greg Biggins, is on from scout.com to talk West Coast recruiting, man. Thought I lost you there. Got to have the West Coast, man. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, man. I got some, some, some college issues with the daughter, so I'm, all, I'm all, good, all good now. I apologize, though. Yeah, I know how it is. Uh, shoot, life gets in the way. I got, I've got several of my own, so I know how all yeah. that goes. Well, um, you guys are in the middle. Of, I love the playoffs in California. Uh, just really, really exciting stuff. You guys seem to be able to get – 
some really, really great matchups as you go through the playoffs. And, uh, you know, no shortage of that again. I want to start off with someone that um, you seem to be pa- uh, campaigning for. I've had a chance to look at him. Looks like a pretty good football player out of Bishop Vermont. Toriano Sweet. What can you tell our listeners about him and 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 uh, why he needs to be uh, a little bit more paid attention to by the colleges? Yeah, I mean he plays at one of the, you know one of the high profile programs in California, Pitch Lamont. I mean you're talking about some some legendary guys that came out of that school, and uh, six feet, two hundred pounds. So he's got college measurables. He's not a burner. He's not a four 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 five guy. I mean, very few guys are. But if he can run, you know, you won't see him get caught from behind. He's a tough kid. He's physical. He's a downhill guy. Uh, he's strong. Uh, he's one of those guys that just seems to get stronger as the game goes on. He's got a lot of those measurables that you could possibly want. Doesn't have a single offer. Not even from a. I mean, not to insult anyone, but you know, Idaho can offer this kid or. You know, uh, you know, a school like that, a San Jose State, I, I could see him easily playing out. I mean, I think he can play for the lower-level Pac-12, but, I mean, at least, you know, like I said, some of the Mountain West schools, he can definitely play for a Utah State. But right now he's still searching for that for that first one. So hopefully it comes through. Like, a guy who had almost 40 yards against Oaks Christian last week and, you know, one of the top games out here in California. So, I mean, he he's productive, and he has those next-level tools. So I'm – Definitely baffled by it, but uh, hopefully it, it happens for him. Yeah, 380 yards to be exact uh, to lead Bishop Amat to the 61-40 win over Oaks Christian last week. I bet that was a hell of a thing to watch. Um, I know about Bishop Amat. My cousin went there. I kind of, you know, uh, on the low wanted to go to Bishop Amat. So good to see <laughs> that school still doing well. And this kid rushes for 380 yards. What's the biggest – what's the reason that he doesn't, if you could – Throw a guess out there. What's the problem? I mean, my my only guess, and, I, and I'm just guessing, is he's not, you know, one of those four, 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 five guys. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, but again, there's a lot of backs that don't have that speed that have D1 offers. So, you know, grades. I mean, he's not getting to Harvard, but he's got, you know, he's going to qualify. You know, he's a qualifier, so he's I mean, good mm-hmm. kid. Um, you know, I, you you wonder at some point is is he being, you know blockballed by someone i i don't know mm-hmm. that answer i know he was suspended for one game earlier it was kind of a controversial mm-hmm. deal where a lot of the players of the team were actually you know going to sit out with him because they felt wow. he was wrongly suspended for a game so again i'm not sure if that's what it is but uh, you talk to the guy he is a good kid i mean i would i would go to bat for him so i don't know chad i mean he, he's a guy who i think can, can play well you know what uh Hopefully, you know, any angst or anger he might be feeling about the lack of interest in him from the colleges uh, fuels him to uh, continue putting up efforts like the one he put up last week. I I think the fan would be the big beneficiary uh, on something like that. One of the big matchups that you've got coming up uh, on on Friday, I believe, Friday or Saturday, is Centennial taking on Modern Day, two uh, very strong programs in Southern California. I'm sure that game's going to be packed with prospects. Uh, Tell us about some of the big uh, prospects that are going to be taking uh, taking the field in that football game. Yeah, I mean, start off with Centennial. They're a top five program nationally. You know, every single year, Matt Logan over there does a phenomenal job. They played twice last year. Uh, last year, Centennial knocked Saturday out in the semifinal, so here they are back again. I think this year, both teams are better. I think Centennial especially is better. Javon McKinley, uh, a receiver that we've talked about a number of times right. already. Uh, you know, he's their headliner, elite, elite kid. 
Uh, they have a running back, J.J. Taylor, going to Arizona. Uh, and, and go back to Javon real quick. Uh, Notre Dame, Washington, UCLA, Oregon are his top schools right now. He's got one more visit left to UCLA December 12th, and he's going to announce at the Army All-American game. Uh, J.J. Taylor, University of Arizona commit, uh, not real big, about 5'7 on a good day, maybe a buck seventy, mm-hmm. but he, he is so quick, lightning fast, great hands, explosive, uh, great secondary. All four of their DBs are going to go somewhere. Uh, Chad Chigilowa as a Stanford commit, just one of those instinctual guys, ball magnet, turnover machine. Uh, they got a corner, Cam Bynum. Uh, he's going to be going to Cal. The other corner, Kentrell Love, going to Washington. USC just offered Kentrell Love a couple weeks ago, and I know he's going to give them a, a hard look. So those are just a few of the guys. And then for modern day, their headliners, Curtis Robinson, an elite linebacker, top 100, kid, top 100 player nationally. Uh, he's a Stanford commit. And then Frank Martin is a big-time offensive lineman, a guard slash tackle. He's a USC commit. He's still taking some trips just in case. He trips to Utah. He'll go to ASU in a couple of weeks. But, you know, he's one of those guys that we've talked about before. You know, he's going to go to, you know, USC no matter who they hire. He just kind of was born to, to want to go to USC. So uh, a lot of good a lot of good guys and some, some good underclass kids too. I mean, that's one of those games where you can, there's going to be 15 guys on that field that will sign somewhere over the next couple of years. Yeah, um, and, and, well, you know, I wish I could go out there and see this matchup. looks like it's going to be a really, really great one, and you're going to have a ton of talent out there in the field. So I can't wait for the reports on that one. Let's talk about a guy, uh, Michael Pittman, 18 catches last week, 18 catches. Did they play with 11 guys on defense in that matchup last week between Bishop Vermont and Oaks Christian? I mean, it just seemed like uh, there was a whole lot of going off on there offensively. But this young man, 18 catches last week uh, against Bishop Vermont, and, and, uh, you know, and that's in a game with Tyler Vons, who is uh, highly recruited, highly thought of. What about this guy, Pittman, pulling down crazy numbers? And, and here's the thing. I mean, he wasn't just doing this against, you know, some, you know, good high school guy who can't play in college. I mean, first off, he was covered in the first half by Chris Gaston, who's a UCLA commit, 6'1". Uh, real long physical guy, and and Pittman took him deep about two times and and kind of jumped all over him. Uh, second half, they put Vaughn. You know, Tyler. Obviously, we talked about him a ton as a receiver. He's a real mm-hmm. good corner. I mean, he's got that long, long frame. He's real smart, instinctive. They put him on him, and it, it didn't even matter. You, you know, he again went around him, threw him. They put on. They put Trayvon, Trayvon Sidney against him, who's also a USC commit as a slot receiver, but also a really good cover corner. Uh, he almost gave him a concussion. My goodness. I, I uh, mean, did they consider I mean, putting they a parent throwing. on this kid at some point? That's crazy. The only thing they didn't do, what I thought they should have done, I mean, they were up the whole game, so it wasn't like, you know, they lost the game because of it. But they never once tried to maybe bracket him. They never once tried to maybe put a safety at the top. They pretty much single-covered him and just kind of played, you know, with the, your standard, you know, cover two. But they didn't really double him much or pay him extra attention. I, I would have because he was really their only offensive threat uh, Oaks has a really good tight end uh, who they didn't really even feature because they just kept going to Pittman over and over and over again. But I tell you what, it, you and I both love Tyler. We both love Javon mm-hmm. McKinley, Theo Howard. Mm-hmm. If you watch Michael Pittman in this game, you would have thought that there's no way he is not the number one receiver out west. I mean, he's six five uh, with a young looking face, so he's not done physically mm-hmm. maturing. He can mm-hmm. run. He's so tough. I mean, he plays football. Uh, receiver with a defensive mentality. He's really, really physical going for the ball. He runs after the catch like he's trying to hurt someone. I mean, he is just a tough, aggressive kid. 
And well, you're talking about a kid that's I, still probably got some development in him. He's six four, two hundred five pounds. Is he going to stay at receiver if he keeps on growing like this? And and that's been my whole thing. You know, he played on Keyshawn Johnson's summer seven on seven team, and and this he couldn't catch a cold. I mean, it was one of those deals mm-hmm. where, you, you know, you, you never want to put too much value on shirts and shorts. So mm-hmm. when you're talking about receivers and corners, you should be able to put a little bit, right? I mean, that's one. The right. One they, they, that's what this thing's I mean, about. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Linebacker, no. Running back, no. Quarterback, not really. But if you're a receiver corner, I mean, that's something I tell was made for you. And he exactly. Could catch, body control. He looked awkward, almost, almost uncoordinated, trying to adjust to any ball, throwing a little bit behind or above him. All of a sudden, the pads come on, and the guy – Looks like Megatron out there. I mean, it was just—it's bizarre. The first time I, I've always saw him at, saw him as a defensive guy, uh, outside linebacker. You know, he plays safety. Mm-hmm. And he's really, really good. But at six mm-hmm. five and growing, you're not, you don't see too many six five safeties. But as an outside right. linebacker, a, a pass rusher, kind of that Anthony Barr type, uh, mm-hmm. I thought he had a chance uh, to be a, a great defensive player. But he has his heart set on offense. He loves offense, and. Uh, Right now, to watch him this year with the pads on, I think he can, I think he can play offense. So, uh, it, recruitment, it, it's going to be interesting. You know, early UCLA commit, uh, flipped mm-hmm. from UCLA to USC, and now the, a lot of talk is that he is potentially close to flipping back over to UCLA. So, you know, well, you don't see that see, very often. You know, never kid see that. commits you somewhere, never flips. See that. Yeah, yeah, that would be crazy. That that would represent some kind of crazy coup that uh, by Jim Moore Jr. If he's able to pull that off, so uh, you know, on top of him putting up these numbers, we've got a little bit of mystery surrounding this guy. So that's gonna that's gonna be uh, very very interesting and uh, you know, like a nice size looking athlete there. So we're gonna have to see what happens there. Well, um, you know. We don't get to be out there much, so and, and it's, it's easy to talk about the guys that are heading the uh, list at scout.com, and they're in the top 100 of all of the recruiting sites. Give me some under-the-radar guys that we haven't talked about yet on this show that are getting things done in this postseason that we, we might want to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously the guy that we mentioned, you know, Toronto Sweet is a guy who I think they can play. I think another guy, a receiver from Alamany High School, uh, Alameda is another school that sends out kids every year. Stephen Mitchell uh, is a freshman at USC who's going to be really good for them. Jaron Pierce is a kid who's also looking for his first offer. And, and this guy is so smooth and, and such a natural pass catcher. Again, he doesn't have, you know, that blazing speed. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, a lot of schools, I, I know I know it's sport, but, man, I go, if you can play the game, for me, uh, you take a guy who can just go out there and get open and, and knows how to settle, knows how to – you know, find those soft spots and catches everything with his hands and does all those. And what school is what school is he at? He's at Alamany High School. So okay, um, we're talking. You know, Vernon Adams, who's quarterback at Oregon, Stephen Mitchell. I mean, every year they get two or three guys. So it's not an under the radar school. It's a school that everyone knows about. So you're kind of wondering how are mm-hmm. schools kind of missing on this guy, uh, Jaron Pierce. I mean, he's a dude. He can play. Uh, going mm-hmm. back over to Oaks, you mentioned Michael Pittman. They have a running back, Gil Scott Jackson who's about 5'9", mm-hmm. 5'10", maybe, you know, 185, uh, fast, elusive, uh, had a really, really big season. And, again, he's got a, a lot of tools that I look at. I think this guy can play in college somewhere. Uh, maybe not, again, you know, your, your Miamis, your Texas, your, your Florida States, but somewhere, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have a single offer either. So, uh, Gil Scott Jackson, I, I like a lot. You know, again, every single time you turn the TV on, you see a guy who's making a ton of plays, outplaying guys with offers, but because they don't project, you know, tool-wise, 
they're not getting the mm-hmm. same look. So I think those guys can definitely compete and play at that highest level. Uh, well, certainly some names I'm going to look up. I'm going to go to check these guys out and uh, see what they've got going on. Well, it's playoff time out there in uh, Southern California and in California in general. So enjoy those matchups, man, and, and uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving. I appreciate you coming on ahead of that and uh, sharing too. some time Absolutely. here with us. Yep. You too, Chad. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks a lot. That's Greg Biggins from Scout.com talking some West Coast recruiting here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Appreciate him coming on and uh, dropping some names on us, both the big names and the under-the-radar names. I know he gets out and sees some games, so appreciate him doing that. We're going to take a quick break. When I come back, we've got open phone lines here if you all want to participate in that. And The number to call the show is 347-633-9365. You can talk about whatever. Uh, you want to bring up here Thanksgiving, you want to talk about recruiting, you got a question, you got a comment, uh, you want to talk about some guys in your local area, feel free to do so. Got open phone lines when I come back from the break. Stay with us. Yeah. Yeah. Halloween. Taliban. Taliban. Yeah. Jumpin', 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 them boys up to something. They just spent like two or three weeks out to come. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs. Do it now! You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now.
Big tempo, big tempo, big tempo. You youngsters listening don't know anything about that. Run DMC up tempo. One of my favorites when I was a kid. That's a little throwback Thursday, ahead of Thursday. Nevertheless, uh, we're back for the final segment of the Gridiron Studs show, the re- Recruiting Roundtable Edition. I just ran through the roundtable of recruiting reporters, and you know, we got a little open phone line session here if you guys want to take part in it. Uh, yeah, I don't have Neil Cool on today. There's no clutch like MJ talk. There's no one to uh, get all bent out of shape. I don't have anyone. There's no need to call me. Listen, I, it was funny last week. I had open phone lines, and the thing was packed, man. They were on here looking to just destroy this guy. It's a good thing I got Neil Cool off the phone because they were ready to go off. I thought the funniest part, though, was when I had someone call uh, me like it was customer service, and they asked me for uh, about refunds <laughs> to the message board that Neil Cool was running. I mean, where did this guy think that he called? You thought he called Best Buy or some kind? I'm not customer service. What was this guy talking about? But nevertheless, uh, you got open phone lines right now if you want to participate in that. Uh, the number is 347-633-8965. Call with your recruiting question. Uh, call with your comment. Don't be as scared. Um, feel free to do that. Again, 347-633-9365. If you're not able to reach a phone, and I can quite I couldn't understand at all why that would be the case because everyone's got a phone in their hand right now. But if you can't, and uh, you're available on social media, you can send a question or comment to me there at Gridiron Studs. Let me see if I've got a caller here that's got something on their mind. Caller, you're on the Gridiron Studs show. Did you have a question or comment? Uh, indeed. I, I definitely got comments. Uh, I guess we'll get to the questions later. Uh, sure. I guess the first thing would be uh, with all the turmoil in college football with who should get fired, who's going to be fired, uh, why are we still sitting here acting like some of these people are qualified for the job? Because we got a lot of people who got over during the days before the coaching game became so competitive and you had elite coaches, you know, filling conferences. And now some of these guys are being exposed. I'm in Georgia, so you already know who I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, we look, let's, just, let, let's jump on that one right there. Let's attack that. Do you think Mark Rick should be out at Georgia? Oh, no question, no question. I, I don't even think it, it's something that needs to be pondered long. Uh, this guy's been there a long time. Uh, he won back when the conference wasn't as uh, stable and, and, and strong as it is now. And ever since mm-hmm. then, even with all the top recruiting and in a state like Georgia, which has such a huge, you know, uh, a huge section of, of, of four- and five-star players and even mm-hmm. three-star athletes that can come in and change the program, the fact that he hasn't won is an indictment, and the fact that what Saban has done kind of tells it. So I, yeah, I, I don't you know, so. Nick Nick Saban's probably gotten a lot of guys fired just by his pure excellence and everyone else thinking that that could happen in their place. You know, the, fo- the folks in Knoxville, Tennessee, would caution you against making a move such as this. They ran Philip Fulmer out of town because he just didn't win quite enough football games, nine wins, and then the occasional ten wins wasn't enough, and they've been struggling to find themselves ever since. If you get rid of Mark Richt, who are you bringing in to Georgia? There's so many open jobs right now, and it's this is literally a game of musical chairs because there are a ton of be- coaches that aren't going to get the job done out there that are going to fill some of these spots. Who do you want to fall in? Who do you want to fall in Georgia's chair? Well, it's not necessarily who I want to fall in the chair because this is a different day and age. Now people mm-hmm. hire law firms to go out and find the, the possible candidate. Yeah, isn't that, that funny? Guy doesn't work, 
Right. Even if that guy doesn't work, you run him out and get another one. Uh, okay, everybody said that to Florida. And what did Florida mm-hmm. do? They ran through a few coaches who weren't up to par, and now it looks like they got their guy in McElveen. So to be scared of the future, I think, is to just stay in the same position you're in, and in that mm-hmm. way you won't win championships no matter what kind of talent you're bringing through the pipeline. So, mm-hmm. hey, if we get a bad coach on the next one, that's fine. Okay, we'll bring another Georgia one. doesn't strike I, me I, as I a place, though, bad. that will – that will run a guy out that fast. They look like they're going to have a lot of patience with whoever the next guy is going to be. And so far as the Florida thing is concerned, they went Urban Meyer, who did a great job there, brought him two championships, went Will Muschamp, he's gone, and now they're to McIlwain. So they didn't really cycle through uh, a bunch of coaches there. And, uh, again, I'm going to go back to Georgia, just the, the, the state, the town, the way things are done. It just don't seem like they're going to get rid of a guy in two or three years if it's not happening. Um, are you prepared to go well, through well, five well, years of something less? Yes, yes, definitely. Because sometimes you have to bottom out in order to find the right person. It, it's similar mm-hmm. to the NBA. When you see a team try to rebuild on the fly and they end up with that mm-hmm. sixth seed and they get that sixth seed every year but never get further than that, uh, sometimes mm-hmm. you do have to bottom out. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think fear in any fan base uh, leads to mediocrity. And if you're fine mm-hmm. with mediocrity with that huge amount of money that you're spending on that school uh, as far as the football program, then I, I, I don't even consider you a real fan. I, I just consider you somebody who's going to be happy with 10 wins and, and losses every year. But no, ten no, wins no, not ten play. wins not good enough in Georgia. I mean, you gotta have a you gotta do what Alabama's doing because you feel like that's just something that should be done. What ten wins not enough? Well, it's not necess- it's not necessarily a thing of you have to have a dynasty like Alabama, but you have to at least be in the mix every year and every once in a while you win one. Hell, Les Miles is getting run with a with a ring on his finger. Uh, where's Mark Rick's ring? You see what I mean? So that's why. Would you, would you take less miles? Because less miles is going to come available. Would you like to see less miles walking the sidelines and between the hedges? Age of his life, he seems like a guy who wants that spurrier spot to where he'll give it a shot, and if it doesn't work out, he may retire. But uh, less mm-hmm. miles seems to be walking down. Great coach, uh, highly disrespected, and the mm-hmm. people who assume things about his intelligence don't understand that man has an economics degree. So. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a less miles guy, so I respect the dude. But LSU. Well, I know you've probably done this. You've probably done this either in your own mind or you know with a group of your friends around the, the so-called water cooler. Who would you want to see in Georgia if Mark Richt is no longer there? Give me the name of the guy or guys that you would like to see there, because every fan has names. But I, I don't necessarily have names though. See, that's the thing. I, I'm not tied to anybody. I'm just looking at it as okay. Al this Golden, is obviously in decline. We need to, <laughs> man. Come on, man. Why are you trying to start a fight, man? We'll send. Nobody we'll send. Al, we'll send Al up the, the interstate to you guys. A million first rounders who couldn't win down there in Miami. <laughs> uh, and, and another interesting thing is that Miami job is nowhere near as enticing as we all thought. Because it looks like they're going to have um, a little trouble when they start getting get on their job search. Perhaps, you know, perhaps. And, you know, obviously, you, I don't know if you know that you're talking to alumni, so we know. But it's a unique job, and it's the fact that we yes. may be thinking about guys that are not being interviewed elsewhere is not going to bother us because we know it takes a certain kind of animal to come down here. But uh, I will say this. 
the next hire is going to be as an important hire, I think, as there's, there's maybe ever been in this program. So they got to, they definitely got to get that right, man. Well, listen, I appreciate you taking advantage of the open phone lines and, uh, you know, sharing a little wisdom there. It was, it's, it's. I think you probably speak for a lot of Georgia fans, though. Um, I, I really yeah. think that's the that's the general sentiment in in Georgia about this program. So you may get your wish, man. It, this is the loudest the noise has ever been about Mark Rick exiting. So you may in fact get your wish, man. But I appreciate you calling the show. Indeed, have a good one. All right, uh, that's that's the sentiment. I think you know not only is that the sentiment in Athens about Mark Rick, I think that's the sentiment right now in Baton Rouge about Les Miles. Uh, I don't think this is something that just jumped out of the blue. I think folks there are tired of coming second place to Nick Saban. And as I said, I think Nick Saban's gotten several coaches fired in college football because everyone's looking at what he's been able to set up there in Alabama and say, hey, why not us? We've got resources. We've got facilities. We've got in-state talent. Why, why, why can't we do what they're doing over there at Alabama. There's folks around here that remember what Alabama was like before Nick Saban showed up. So uh, everyone's chasing, you know, Nick and the dynasty that's been put up there in Alabama. But I got to caution some of you, that's not in the cards for for your program. Maybe a place like Georgia that's, that is surrounded by some uh, athletic talent could be that. But there's some other places that are thinking, you know, hey, why not us? Why can't we Alabama? And I'm going to tell you because you, you can't. You aren't and you won't be. And you can go kicking coaches and you can go bringing coaches in and rinsing them out, and you're still not going to be that. And uh, when you do get a coach that's decent that can get you around eight or nine wins and then the occasionally you will make that crazy run and have a one-loss season and, and, and be in a big bowl game or be in a discussion to be in the college football playoff, that you just take that and run with it and cherish it. And I know there's some fan bases that don't want to hear that because you all feel like you're, you're – look, at, in August, everyone feels like they should be making a run this year at the college – football playoffs and that's the beauty of college football in in august everyone's full of uh you know hope um but the reality is a greater portion of the programs that are out there really don't have a chance to be in that college football playoff that's just the reality now fans are fans and you know they want to be lied to they want to believe in craziness, and I don't want to take that away from them. Fans are what makes college football what it is. And right now, I think college football is uh, probably a better product than the NFL right now. You know, my only gripe with college football right now is a stupid um, targeting rule and the way they handle replay. But outside of that, I like the four-team college playoff. And this is someone who wanted everyone in divisions and conferences and wanted a full-out playoff. Uh, I think the four-team playoff is great because it keeps controversy going, keeps people talking about college football, and why the hell should the NCAA break down and be like everyone else? They've never done that. Why start now? Just be the controversial college football NCAA that you've always been. It's what we've come to know and love about the NCAA. There's a way to do something right, and then there's what the NCAA is going to do. And uh, in this particular case, um, having a four-team playoff when every year six, seven, eight teams are worthy, that just makes sense for the NCAA. So, you know, it is it is what it is. But uh, 
I think the Charlie Strong thing, I find that interesting. I wonder why he took this long to get this, you know, a little emphatic about it. I'm sure he's playing that around in his head. If he doesn't get hired uh, at Miami, if he's not a strong candidate for Miami. And to my last caller, by the way, let me jump off on that. Uh, where you have law firms and search committees, there's a reason for that now. Over the years, people have gotten smart. And what the uh, committees and the law firms and that kind of stuff allows to happen is for a college coach's agent to talk to the law firm and not the athletic director, speak to a firm who's detached from the university and the you know, the agent is not the coach. And so the, the agent in the law firm or the search committee can talk and have some heavy discussions about, you know, the two sides coming together and the coach can comfortably get into a press conference and say, I have not spoken to X school. And technically not lying. And the school can say, we've not spoken to X coach. And technically, very technically, could not be lying. So you can lie and, and you can lie while, tell, while telling the truth, and that's why you have the search committees now. I think that was how these things started. Um, and now that's just the route that everyone goes. I don't really care for the whole search committee, committee thing as it pertains to my school, the University of Miami. I'd rather see the athletic director do this, but you know it is what it is. 2015, that's how things are done. So we will have search parties and committees and boards and so on trying to find college coaches, and college coaches can go shop for other jobs while emphatically saying, I have not spoken to X school, and I'm going to be here, and I like it here, and I love it here, and I see myself here for the rest of my life. And players, you've got nothing to worry about. I'm not going anywhere. And in January, you have that press conference where you, you, know, you just look like the biggest liar in the world. It's college football. I went off on my tangent about this earlier this week. There is no loyalty with the institution college coach can't have any loyalty to the players and with that being the case the players can't have any loyalty back to the coach or the institution it's just a whole stirring pot of disloyalty if i could you know use that term no one's loyal to anyone in this game and uh, that's what you've got going around so players are in a hurry to leave out of the schools the moment they start playing as a freshman or a sophomore. They're already thinking about getting out of there after their junior year. Some of the frustration that players run into is growing attached to a coach who then leaves for another job, and then another coach comes in, and, you know, there's that awkward period, and once you warm up to that guy, that guy leaves as well. So, you you know, player gets frustrated, throws his hands up, and be like, man, I can't count on anybody here. They're in and out of here, so why not me leave? This is why you're getting record numbers of juniors leaving. Now, you're talking about guys not even ready, guys who haven't even really done anything on the college football field, ready to go because they've just had enough. You could feel the lack of loyalty. You could feel it as a player. And it existed when I was playing this game, but certainly not to the level of where it is now. There's more coaching turnover than ever before, and I'm not just talking about head coaches, assistant coaches, that thing is like, uh, it's like the a door to McDonald's at 8 o'clock in the morning. They're in and out of there. So it's hard for any of these players to build any kind of relationship 
with uh, their coaches. And isn't that what this whole thing is built on in the recruiting game? Isn't that how the recruits are landed? You build a personal relationship with the recruit. That's what you do. That's how you land them to uh, the specific school. It's through relationships. And then, lo and behold, players there, a year into it, coach is gone. And now, you can't really even blame the coach. It may sound like that's where I'm going with it. Blame the coach. They're monsters. How could they do that to the kids? Well, you know, the system's not set up to any loyalty to them. Because if there's ever a drop-off, the moment there's a drop-off in any kind of performance, the institution's ready to get rid of the coach, so he's left without a contract. If you're not moving in this game, let me let me put it to you this way. As a coach in college football, you're moving constantly. You're either moving up or you're moving down. And by staying somewhere, the chances are you're probably moving down. At most places, unless you're at a place like Alabama that has a dynasty going on, just by being there, your value continues to grow. Ask Kirby Smart. He's still being considered for jobs heavily after having said no several times over several years. The fact that he has been at Alabama and they continue to win at a very and play at a very, very high level every year has allowed Kirby Smart to be in this same job but continue moving forward and ahead. And now it looks like he will eventually make a move and take another job and be a head coach finally. But at most other places, staying stagnant, staying in the same place means you're probably moving down. And that's how these coaches look at it. So if you're at a place two, three years and you haven't been promoted at that particular university, so if you're a position coach and haven't been moved to coordinator, you're actually moving down. You're losing value in this game, and the chances are you might lose that job right there and and be that fired coach. It kind of has to be a situation where you go in, you achieve. People are looking at you and want to pull you, and that's how you kind of want to move from a place from place to place. You don't want to be getting fired, even though that's a part of the business, a heavy part of the business. You kind of want to try and avoid that whole situation. So you want to make moves off of promotions, not being fired. Kind of hard to be getting fired and getting a better job soon thereafter. It's difficult. You get fired as a linebacker coach, and get hired as a coordinator. Hard to do. It's rare. So if you're a linebacker coach and another school wants you to be a linebacker coach, they're going to pay you a little bit more money, maybe you do that. And you keep moving into a better and better situation, and eventually someone sees your work, sees that you've kind of moved up the ladder a little bit, and then they decide to offer you a coordinator job. Now you're a coordinator, and then you go from coordinator, now you start eyeballing a head coaching job. Because if you stay coordinator too long, eh, there's a chance you start losing that job. Then you get bounced around. College football coaching is a funny business. Again, it's not any kind of a a business where loyalty is promoted. And there isn't any one entity in the whole college football cycle that is loyal. So you might be sitting around wondering, well, what are we teaching the kids? Well, frankly, we're probably just teaching the kids life. That's just what it is. That's how life is in uh, the big city. They move around. Why well, I try to tell kids, pick an institution. But though that I say that, it's very difficult. I don't care what you tell these kids. They really are going to pick nine times out of ten on uh, off of a relationship. Because in life, people buy other people. 
We don't buy products. We buy people. You can have the greatest product in the world when you walk into the store, but if the person trying to sell it to you is a complete and total moron, an idiot, someone you don't like, chances are you're not going to buy that product. We don't buy products and services. We buy people. And that's what's going on in the recruiting game. And that's and the coaches know that. So there's that rush to build that bond and uh, join yourself up with the player. Get them to buy you. You can get them to buy the school. You can get them to buy anything. And the greatest recruiters know this. The greatest recruiters do that the best. Players just absolutely love them. And that's how you get them to come. And the downside of that is, if you're a really good recruiter, you're probably moving around a lot. That means you're going to leave one place to the other. And a kid bought you. You made him buy you. You sold him on you. He bought you. But you're not going to see his career through at that place. It's the vicious, vicious cycle, folks. But it's college football. We love it, don't we? We love it. And I love that you love the Gridiron Stud Show and that you take your time out to listen to it every week, even on a Wednesday night on the eve of Thanksgiving. And so I want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in on this Wednesday night to the Recruiting Roundtable edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. I appreciate it. I want to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. Eat uh, what your heart desires tomorrow. Don't get yourself sick. Do bring the Tupperware. I think right now the funniest thing going on in social media is uh, Thanksgiving with Black Families hashtag. That hashtag just has me, it's had me rolling all day long, all week long. Uh, If you haven't, go hashtag that. Go search that hashtag on Twitter. You're going to laugh your head off. If you get it, you know. But uh, again, I want to thank you all for listening. Obviously won't have a show tomorrow. I'll be uh, eating some turkey and hanging out with family. I am back on on Friday. Got to do the Football Friday edition because there is a big rivalry weekend coming up. Michigan, Ohio State, UCLA, USC, Florida, and Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech. We can go on and on. All those biggies are coming up this weekend. So we got to talk about that. High school football playoffs are winding down. We're into uh, the uh, semifinals in some uh, regional finals and other, we do need to talk about that. And the NFL games are coming up. We're starting to get the shaping up of the playoff race. So can't wait to do the Football Friday edition. And that will be the next show here. But, uh, again, I appreciate you for listening. Uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving. And I'll see you guys on Friday for the Football Friday show. Enjoy the rest of your night. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. 
For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! 